Today is Thursday, September 28th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 539 features NBC Sports Boston's Abby Chin. I'm Evan Valenti. Today's show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. New customers can can bet $5 and get $2 in bonus bets guaranteed. What's up, everybody? New edition of Celtics Beat as we sit here in late September, which means training camp is right around the corner. Media day is is almost literally around the corner. We are only a few days away from hearing from Celtics players. But will Malcolm Brogdon be there? That remains one of the things that we will get into. It's been a uh, an interesting time in the world of Celtics Beat and, of course, in the Celtics world in general. Uh, we've managed Ev. Ev Malenti's here. Adam Kaufman, of course. We will get to our very special guest, Abby Chin, in just a second. Ev, we've we've... Managed to go viral this show the last couple of weeks. So, uh, row, baby. You know, pressures on, uh, on us or Abby here or, or the collective unit to, uh, to stay in the news cycle again. Not that we do it purposefully, but it just so happens that Malcolm Brogdon's something of a newsmaker. Uh, Abby, let's, let's just start with the, uh, the, the very thing that everybody is wondering. And then we'll get to everything that has happened in the last really 24, 36 hours. Is Malcolm Brogdon going to be a Celtic this season? That is a great question. One that I agree with you, probably still up in the air. I would say I, two things. Number one, it is not my role to go viral. So I hope, (laughs) I apologize. Maybe we should have talked about that before. I hope that is not the case. Um, The second thing is the one thing that I know about Malcolm Brogdon is that he is a professional. And so he is going to show up if he is on this team, unless something changes in the next 48, 72 hours, he will be at media day. He will answer questions and he will be a professional about it. Um, But I, I agree with you. Everything that is going around league wide throws a heightened level of intrigue into all of this. So I, I think what's, let's, I don't know, I'm going to kind of bounce around, not go in a particular order here, but uh, we had, let's see, it was Gary Washburn, who of course, I mean, this this all kind of started with Gary on our show, and then it, he was, uh, the, the news made your network and ESPN and other places where Gary said that Malcolm Brogdon was pissed about being included in trade talks, and then Ramona Shelburne Understandably. Kind of escalated. What's that? understandably understandably right? I mean, absolutely yeah who, all who of us in that kind yeah, of position but it's a business it's kind of how it works but yeah he if he felt any level of disrespect who could blame him you know no, nobody's coming after malcolm brogdon for that but of course being the professional that he absolutely is you wonder if you know over the course of the summer and treating the elbow and everything does that simmer down a little bit so gary spoke with Brad Stevens recently wrote about this in the Globe, uh, just to read from part of the article. Boston, according to two NBA sources, uh, Brockton, pardon me, was upset about nearly being traded. He also spent the summer rehabilitating his elbow, apparently without surgery. Stevens acknowledged Brockton's displeasure, but said it is being resolved. Quote, I would say he had every right to feel upset, Stevens said. We said that this summer, but he's a real pro, so we've had several discussions, several discussions. Uh, he's looking forward to getting started. We're looking forward to getting started, and here we go. Now, fast forward, of course, if anyone is living under a rock and missed it, Damian Lillard's been traded. Not to the Miami Heat, however. Sorry, Pat Riley and Jimmy Butler and <laughs> Butler uh, looking for collusion. Sorry, uh, you know, Wait, Heat fans, not, not happening. To the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Damian Lillard goes, and it should surprise nobody that the Bucs are now championship favorites and favorites to win the Eastern Conference, at least in terms of betting favorites. And we can talk about their roster and all that good stuff a little bit later in the show. But uh, now it is a two-man tandem with uh, Drew Holiday being one of those shipped out, and it looks like he is going to be uh, on the block. Just complete terms, by the way, uh, of that deal. You had uh, Lillard going to the box, uh, Yusuf Nurkic going to the Suns, Blazers, DeAndre Ayton. And now the question, of course, is, you know, the, the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. Now, Brian Windhorst, ESPN, said uh, Celtics have been looking for a Malcolm Brogdon trade since June and have multiple first-round picks to offer for a player who could replace the defensive leadership of guard Marcus Smart. Adam Himmelsbach, who, of course, you know, one of those, uh, when when he speaks, we listen with respect to the Celtics, absolutely. Not a big surprise, but I've been told the Celtics are expected to explore the possibility of trading for Drew Holiday. So that all takes me back to this, Happy. If Malcolm Brogdon was pissed before and maybe got over it, isn't he pretty pissed again right now that we're right back where we started? I mean, I'm sure he understands to a certain degree, but also he may not, if he is a Celtic come media day next week, may not be the happiest camper. I mean, too bad. This is the business that you signed up for and get paid millions of dollars for. And and don't get me wrong. I am super pro athlete um, in, in almost every scenario. And there's nothing... This is the business. This is what happens. This is occurs. This is what goes on. And he is on the NBA Players Association. He's a vice president in that board. He knows that more than anyone. And so he will show up. As Brad said, he will be a professional throughout. I have no doubt that he will play as hard as he can and work as hard as he can for this team. But yeah, I'm sure he's going to feel some kind of way, as we all would as humans. Yeah, I I just wonder, well, what's what's your view of this whole situation? And should the Celtics be dangling Malcolm Brogdon in an effort to get Drew Holiday in the first place? Or do you feel like they're better with what they are? Because if you did get Holiday, it's not just a Brogdon straight up kind of thing. You have to include either Rob Williams or Al Horford plus picks. Yeah, so that's the that's the hang up here. It's not a one for one swap. Even with that, even like Malcolm plus picks doesn't get you the money you need to make the trade work. And that's the problem the Celtics have right now is they just they don't have a way to make that work without taking another core piece of their starting you know five slash you know the seven to eight man rotation that they're going to run during the playoffs this year. Drew Holiday is a spectacular player. I don't think anybody has any problem saying that he's a he's an all defensive guard. This team could use a little more defense. Uh, it makes a lot of sense on paper. It makes a lot of sense in terms of a guy that would fit the culture of the Celtics, just doesn't make financial sense. And if you think it does, I would just, again, to get Drew Holiday in here, you'd have to trade away one of the big, the one of the bigs that you have. And that that's already thin. I mean, Adam, how many times we talked about it on this show about how thin and how, how many, I mean, we've gotten so much flack for this because it's a negative connotation here, but this team has some injury potential, Amongst their front line between Rob Rob Williams, Chris Epps, Porzingis, and Al Horford. If it's more than potential, it's likelihood. Look, I, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to I'm just going to lay out the facts. It's possible. I will. Historically speaking, you should not bank on Rob Williams, Chris Epps, Porzingis, or Al Horford, any of them to play what more than 65 games, maybe more than 60 games, and sure. Horford 
who's on the cusp of 75 years old, is the one who is the most reliable of the three. That's fair. That's all fair. But the point being is... I won't stand for this slander. 75? Come on, Adam. And I, and I love... still look I, the same, though. That's I, the problem. Al he has an age right. today. He looks great. And you don't need game. them to play that many games. I mean, you need them. you need them healthy and primed for the postseason. So that's the reality. And that's, I mean, the beauty of Al Horford is that the man knows how to taper his body and ramp up when it is absolutely necessary. And those are the lessons that I believe he imparts on his teammates. Yeah. I just don't, I just doesn't, this is, Coffin doesn't feel like the right time for that type of trade. Again, we all love Drew Holiday. I don't love Drew Holiday as much as everybody else because every big game seems like he plays and he's like three of 17 from the field, but defensively he's a monster guards one mm-hmm. through four is one of the most. I mean, that's the question who now is going to guard Damian Lillard. Right. And it's, it's going to take a collective unit. You know, it's not like one guy's like, there's not too many guys one on one that can handle Damian Lillard. I mean, it's just, there's not, it's going to take a collective effort and you know, look, they're going to have a lot of question marks in terms of how they handle, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks as we get going here. But at the same time, I don't think bringing Drew Holiday in here is is the answer. I think Boston, you know, if they're dangling Malcolm Brogdon, it's just not going to be just Malcolm Brogdon unless there's some other deal lined up with a three-way where we get real crazy here. And especially so close to training camp. I don't think – I don't think this – they again, I could be speaking out of turn here, but I don't think Boston really wants to screw around with their roster too much two days before media day and we get the, the ball rolling into training camp. It doesn't feel like that's a smart move considering how the, the biggest new piece that they have is going to take a while to figure out how it's going to work best with everybody else. Porzingis is not just going to be a guy they bring in here and it's going to fit right away. I think it's going to take some time to figure out how to make him work with the Jays and everybody else. And to add another yeah, but, but wait, that, devil's, yeah. ad, devil's advocate to that. What's the sure. difference? Like, it's not like there's been weeks or months of Porzingis, you know, working out and scrimmaging with Tatum and Brown, at least as far as I know. So if you're working in one new guy, what's the difference working in another new guy? My thing, uh, and Evan, you're totally right. I was having flashbacks yesterday of media day a year ago when everything hit the fan three days before. And uh, when all the Damian Lillard trade stuff, and I was like, oh my God, are we going to be doing this again? They're going to trade for Damian Lillard three days before the season starts. Um, and, and that didn't happen. Uh but the other part of it is, and, and I am a huge fan of Drew Holiday on many levels, all the work that he does in the community and with his wife and with his family and um, not to mention everything that he does on the court. But I agree with you in that the money thing doesn't make sense, particularly how much they have invested in their top three at the moment, the Celtics and Jason, Jalen, and now Kristaps. And not to mention that he can opt out after next year. So I, I am, I am one for putting all of your chips in, but I think that, and I do believe that the Celtics will do their due diligence and go after Drew Holiday if it's at the right price. But I, I would imagine that the Celtics price is very different from what this bidding war is going to turn into. The thing about it, if they do acquire Drew, is it goes against everything that we have been told all off season. And that is, this is, Jason and Jalen's team, they need to step up into those leadership roles. They need to be the ones on the floor, directing traffic, calling plays, being the guys with the ball in their hands. And this is their team. And we have seen repeatedly what happens. And it's to no one's fault, but you brought in Kemba Walker, who is, who was as deferential as a former all-star could be at the point guard Mm -hmm. position. And it was still too much. 
Marcus Smart was named starting point guard. And apparently it was still too much. They want the Jays to be the guys. They are the guys. And now it is their time to take that mantle for this franchise and run with it and get to banner number 18. So a few things. Uh, I feel... Well, one, Ev, I mean, you would know you do these shows every single week with me and, and Abby. I'm sure we've had some of these conversations as well over the course of the offseason. But I, I just feel honestly a little bit vindicated in the sense that I have been saying for months, for months, that the Celtics are still looking to trade Malcolm Brogdon and still more than open to the idea, if not outright dangling him. Doesn't mean he's going to get traded, but the fact that all of these reports, again, Himmelsbach, Windhorst, you name it, the fact that all of this is happening, like, I haven't been making it up, folks. Malcolm Brogdon is no sure thing to be here come media day or come mid-training camp or come opening night or certainly mid-season this is a whole other conversation the Celtics could be looking to you know move him in picks for some sort of a trade deadline upgrade but that's that's not the same thing you know I'm talking about the here and now he could absolutely be moved the other part of this which is well sort of goes in series I've said if you're going to trade Brogdon you're going to do it for a guard who's it going to be well Drew Holiday is suddenly available we didn't know that he was going to be and the other part of this and Ev I have said this ever since the moment Market Smart was traded and I got a lot of pushback from you and from others about this I am not certain that Brad Stevenson company, that front office, is sold on Derek White starting point guard. I think they love Derek White. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think they are sold on him being the starting point guard for this team, which, again, just adds another layer of credence to the possibility that they could go out and acquire a Drew Holiday. As far as whether or not they do this, I think that some of what Abby just hit on is, is uh, you know, bringing up the, the potential opt-out 100%. In that, what that tells me is that if, in fact, a move happens, and I'm not even saying it's likely, but if, in fact, a move happens, I think you're looking at Brogdon, you're looking at Horford. And I know Horford's a fan favorite. He's an internal leader and all of that. He's, you know, great, just a guy you want on your team, no doubt about it. But when you start to think about the contracts and age and, you know, protections for Rob Williams going forward, the fact that Holiday can go, you want to protect yourself as much as you can, and you want to have Rob under contract. Horford contracts coming up and hell he could come back and resign again if he wanted to. And so, you know, if you're, if you're looking at that potential opt-out situation with a Drew holiday, you can kind of recoup in that lane going forward. It's just another thing, another, you know, part of this to consider. I just wonder if in fact, you know, to, to, I don't know, put, put a little bow on this, Abby. I, I wonder how satisfied the front office is with the makeup of this roster that is absolutely a championship caliber roster, but do they feel the need to respond to what the Bucks just did to where they now, all due respect to the Jays, it is now the Bucks that have the best one-two punch in the entire NBA. I, my response to that is, I think that this front office, led by Brad Stevens over the past two seasons, has shown they are not afraid to tinker, to make moves. We saw deals at the deadline with Derek White two years ago. Um, and I agree with you in that no one on this roster, aside from Jason Tatum and now Jalen Brown, due to his contract, is untouchable. And so I I think that, and and Brad said this when he was speaking to Gary Washburn, that there's no question when you 
are the Boston Celtics, there is a sense of urgency every season. Their only goal is to win championships. And and I believe that Brad Stevens is going to do what he believes is necessary to do that. And and he's not going to and it's not that you don't care about people's feelings or that he's worried about how Malcolm Brogdon feels and how he's going to play. It's that you need to do what's best for your team. Bill Belichick says it all the time. I make decisions based on what is best for my team. And I believe that that's what Brad Stevens is doing and the mentality that he has. And he's not going to operate out of fear or intimidation from what is going on on the outside. Well, to your point about the emotion, I mean, he traded Kemba Walker, who you know, is just on a personal level, I'm sure he didn't want to do. He traded Marcus Smart, which again, I'm sure on a personal level, he didn't want to do. I don't think Malcolm Brogdon next to those two guys is is going to give him any pause. I do think Al Horford is one of his guys, though. Yeah, so that would. I do want to push back on this this trade idea, Kaufman, because we've talked about, again, the lack of big man depth. What it, What is your solution there? If yeah. you're going to go trade for Drew Holiday and you're going to sure. you're going to trade away Al Horford, what is your solution to that problem? Because there's not a lot of big guys walking around here. It's just the, the, it's slim pickings at this point. What you can't again? How many times have we said on this show that it's risky to even go into this season with those three guys? You have to have yeah, we were talking else. last week about all right. So who's the fourth? You still yeah, need to right. So guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna press you on this because again, yeah. I I get what you're saying in terms of. Like, look, they, they clearly want to, you know, they've been talking about it since June. This is something they, they probably really want to do. And, and I think we all can agree that Drew Holiday is maybe a better fit than, than Malcolm Brown in this team. I just don't understand why create another problem to solve what is, again, maybe not even an issue. Maybe we're fine. We haven't, we don't know because Brown hasn't spoke yet, but maybe it's not an issue anymore and we've moved on past it and everything's going to be fine. Well, so as well, as far as that latter point, I don't expect Malcolm Brogdon to open up about, you know, he, he's not going to go in depth about his feelings. What If in fact, he's here on media day and taking questions about all of this, he's again, consummate professional, been around a while, played for multiple organizations. He's going to say all the right things. He's yes. not going. I do not might... anticipate a James Harden moment of. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he may say like, I, I, the furthest I could see him taking it would be, you know, yeah, I was a little hurt, but you know, that, that after winning sixth man of the year and all that we achieved last year, that, that my name would be in trade talks, but that's the business like that. That is the extent that I could hear him going with it. He's certainly not going to say I was pissed or I am pissed. I continue to be pissed. Even if he is, he's not going to say it. He's not going to even allude to it or acknowledge it in any way, shape or form. So, uh, and, and who could blame him? Uh, as far as uh, very valid pushback on the bigs, absolutely. And I don't have an answer to that. And maybe that is the better reason for why a deal doesn't happen versus, you know, anything that we're talking about with guard concerns as it relates to Brogdon or White or not enough. I would say the Celtics for many years have, have piecemealed that big rotation and, and right. not a place that they really put an emphasis on spending. Yeah. So there are i'm sure there are solutions and that is why come back in my quarter i like this the guys in the front office get paid the big bucks they know the answers we don't have to have those answers that's not our cornet available he is he's on the roster still here's here's uh, i just mean available to play he's he's gonna be out there you know they've had they've had some issues you know amongst their front line the past couple of years right i know they piecemeal it together to you know 
relatively good success, but they, they kind of got their ass kicked in the finals by Draymond Green and Kevon Looney whenever he played. And then, sure. you know, when uh, we go to the Eastern Conference finals, again, one of the things that we've talked about in terms of why didn't it work is because Boston doesn't have anybody on the interior that can score. A lot of their their scoring comes from perimeter players. And it's not like Al Horford is a guy that's going to sit on the block and go to work, but you know, he's more of a perimeter player at this point of spot up three point shoot every once in a while. If he has an opportunity on the block, he'll go after somebody, but you know, well, how about this? Let's flip it this way. And let's not forget, right. by the way, Al Horford forgot how to shoot in the playoffs last year. And he that was, was his legs were done. His legs were tired. I'm okay. Not, well, we're sitting here praising the man for conditioning. He, yeah, he not, all of a sudden couldn't shoot anymore at the end of last year, and he's only going to be a year older this year. Forget so, how to shoot, though. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm just. That's not the right way to put fine, it. Fine. Fine. I'm, I'm like Malcolm shot. Brogdon. I'm like Malcolm Brogdon. He still had good mechanics with his shot. He just couldn't physically jump off the ground anymore. Yeah. You try guarding him. Get me in games. trouble. Keep going with your with could, your point. Couldn't get any uh, lift on his jumper. No, because you're an innocent bystander. You're not winning. Yeah, on this that's part. what it feels like. Yeah, so you're you're perfectly fine. But getting here, railroaded. Like what <laughs> when when Abby talks about them piecemealing piecemealing this in the past. I mean, Ev, let's let so let's think about the transactions this summer, okay? They traded a guard. They created a, a a problem being thinner in my mind, a problem anyway. Maybe the organization doesn't feel this way. But a, a problem being thinner at guard in dealing away Marcus Smart obviously creates an opportunity for Peyton Pritchard and all of these guys that we've talked about in the past. But you move a guard to acquire a big, a big that you didn't have on the roster. So you bring in Chris Haps-Porzingis. If you ship out Al Horford, other than health concerns and all of that stuff that we've talked ad nauseum about just in terms of the physical number of people and hoping and praying they can stay on the floor. What's the difference? You're, you're losing Horford. You're bringing in holiday. And last season there was a glut at guard. There was, there were too many guards. Peyton Pritchard couldn't get on the floor. Right now we're just back to square one where they have too many guards, not enough bigs. Again, we have argued on this show that the, although it hurt all of us to nth degrees to trade Marcus Smart from the Celtics to to, to Memphis, I still haven't properly. I, I have. That, I just don't think about it often, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I don't have Marcus all number, the time. I, 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 I don't have Marcus's number, but I feel like if I did, at least once a week, I would text him the uh, the John Cusack. You know, gif of a like, holding the say anything? Yeah, say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Any, yeah, just basically anything to tell him that we still love him. Um, you, you potentially solve the problem by bringing in Chris Stapps, who's, you know, a, a pretty unbelievably offensive powerhouse at, you know, center. So again, by reverting back to getting another guard and trading a big way, you now again go back to the same problem you had before you made the Porzingis trade. So again, you you haven't really solved anything. Again, I I think again as 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 we go through all of this, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense to get Drew Holiday, considering what they would have to do get, to get him. Again, we all love Drew Holiday in various levels, but Boston cannot afford to deal away Rob or Al in this situation to get again maybe a, a starting point. I mean, I definitely a starting point guard, but again, I believe in Derek White, so I I say maybe just because I think Derek can handle the opportunities. I just think they are already thin at that spot. They have enough guards to get by. Again, as as I think Ramona said in her her three minute ESPN segment, they do plan on having Jason Tatum potentially run more point guard. So 
again, there's a, an idea that you could use him as the quote unquote one in the offense. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to trade Horford away to get, to get Drew Holiday, who could be, be leaving shortly. So I don't know. So just so it's on the record, Malcolm Brogdon, and Al Horford and picks are traded away for Drew Holiday. And I don't know, maybe some backup center we've never heard of. And, and that just, that's how it all comes together. The Celtics make the move. You're out. Bad trade. Depends on that big, but I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Okay. I don't disagree. I think that a player of Drew of Drew's caliber at the right price, you bring him in. Why? Who says no? I mean, I'm I'm going to find out because I believe the Celtics are very much in this conversation. So I I think we're going to find out who says no. Evan apparently says no. Yeah, I mean, again, depending on the big coming back, if the big guy is right, right, don't do it. I, again, we have to trust Brad. We're texting markets. Really well. He's texting Brad. It's all, yeah. you know. <laughs> Brad's done really well on the job. I just, I don't think, I, I would have a lot of concerns I, that I already have. They would just be exaggerated about, you know, the, the big man rotation this team's going to throw on the floor. And especially because you have Joel Embiid and Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Bam Adebayo all in your conference. Here's what I know, Ev. I know that Brad is now looking at the title odds and saying, we're not the favorites anymore. It was nice while it lasted. We're not the favorites anymore. But you can look. You can look at all the odds on that, your, on you your think favorite he wants to be the favorite? Sport. What's do that? Do you think Brad wants to be considered the favorite? Uh, I mean, do, do we think, you know Brad better than we do, obviously. Do we think Brad cares? Like, do we, yeah. one way or the other, if, you know, if his team is the favorite, if his team is the quote-unquote underdog, even though, even if you're second, you're still not an underdog. But do, like, do you think it even registers with Brad? I think he's aware of it, but no, I don't think it factors into any decisions that he's making. He was a head coach of Butler. That team was never favored to do anything. I think he relishes being the underdog. I, 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 to be frank here, Kaufman, I don't think that team was an actual underdog. That team was amazing as they, as they beat our Syracuse Orange in the Sweet 16. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Uh, that was a tough one to watch because I had never heard of Butler until that game. So it is what it is. And tell the people, the kind people about their favorite mobile sports book. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a great way to parlay this conversation into our, uh, right? There we go. And to telling you guys that this show is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets whether you win well, you lose. Doesn't matter. You get $200 right into your account immediately. And if you think about Jordan FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app that I have on my phone, it's super easy to use. And there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Coffin, we talked about it last week. I was mm-hmm. only doing single bets against the spread to see how it went. Four, two, and one last week. So we, we did it. Did much better. Um, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to try this again this week. And you and I've been texting a little bit back and forth about some things, including the Packers, who by the time you listen to this is probably, that game's going to be over coffin. That line has now jumped to plus two and a half Packers, by the way, I'm in at one and a half. I'm going to probably jump in back in at two and a half, but some other things that I like Steelers on the road in Houston, minus three. Uh, the Steelers have a guy on their team. His name is TJ Watt. He's really incredible in terms of rushing the passer. The Houston Texans offensive line is a mess. 
CJ Stroud's very good, but I think CJ Stroud, rookie quarterback against a defensive unit in Pittsburgh's, it's going to be a long day there. I like the minus three on the road. Speaking of defense against an offensive line that's really doing terribly, uh, I love the Philadelphia Eagles minus eight and a half against the Washington Commanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were to look at pressure uh, rate over the course of a lifespan of a quarterback, you would find out that nobody has faced more pressure in the history of football uh then uh sam howell on the washington uh commanders it, it, it's a 15 percent pressure rate uh it's the highest ever in nfl history and the eagles have the best defensive line probably in football so that's a huge mismatch for me i'll be taking the eight and a half uh come sunday for sure and then i'm almost upset that people have been talking about it too much but i love the cleveland browns um again defensively they are uh elite they have only given up they haven't given up more than 10 first downs in a game so far this year um and i think the ravens offensive line although it's getting a little bit healthier is still kind of banged up so i love the cleveland browns at home minus two and a half against uh the ravens so there's my picks for this week visit fanduel.com slash boss to kick off this nfl season again $200 of bonus bets with a $5 bet guaranteed. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. 21 plus in present in Massachusetts. Hope is here, folks. Make sure you get in on that. But first, online real money wager only. First deposit required of $10. Bonus issued as now drawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fielder.com. Gambling helpline ma.org. Call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSense ma.org. Or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Can you believe, Abby, he memorized all that? He does it all. That was Used to impressive. be longer. Used to be longer. Very, very impressive. What he did not mention, though, NBA title odds. Milwaukee Bucks at plus 360. Your Celtics, plus 500. Suns are at plus 550, of course, led by Durant and, and yeah. Booker, Definitely among Booker. others. Uh, and uh, Denver. What's that? Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Denver Nuggets, the defending champs, by the way, at plus 650. So they have the fourth best title odds, and then you have a drop-off to the likes of the Lakers, the Warriors, and and so on and so forth. So Magic Johnson had a tweet that said basically the same thing. I mean, obviously had the Lakers much higher, but... Yeah. So... Do you believe that the Milwaukee Bucks, after this move, and what's still a very deep roster, so is the Celtics. I know. it's why the odds are not wildly different between the two, but the Bucks are the favorites. Do they deserve to be the betting favorites? Is this the best roster in the NBA as of this moment? The ABA? NBA. N- <laughs> okay. uh, Come on. I gotta get Jackie Moon's movie off the shelf here. <laughs> it's um, no, it's back. <laughs> Semi-pro. I see it. It's right over there. Oh, nice. Well done. I am not gonna bet against the Celtics. We have seen them make it to the Eastern Conference Finals how many years out of how many years in a row? And it's five out of seven. Yes. And um so and would we haven't seen either team, this trade happened yesterday, and, and I know that is our job, but on the floor, I want to see them on the floor. I understand the thought process and the excitement of Giannis, this generational player working with Damian Lillard and the pick and roll possibilities and, and all of it. It is intoxicating, but we have not seen anything. We haven't seen anything from them. We haven't seen anything from the Celtics. We haven't seen anything from the Suns. So it is an 
a wonderful time of year. Everyone is a contender. There is so much possibility out there, but the NBA, and it's one of the things that I love about it so much, is that you just have absolutely no idea what is going to happen. I mean, was it just last season that we walked into the year that the Nets with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden? It wasn't James Harden. He had been traded away at that point. But I mean, 18 months ago, the Nets were bona fide championship contenders, the team to beat, and that just completely disintegrated in front of our eyes. And so... I am not going to pick a favorite. I want to see it on the floor. Call me wishy-washy. No, it's fine. I mean, listen, also, I'm not convinced that we have a finished product in terms of these rosters either. But go ahead. I know I have on our, our text thread that I'm sure Abby is so grateful to, to not be part of this particular (laughs) group. Ev, uh, you, you express concerns about the box. Well, I just don't think it's not a slam dunk. Not, not to make it a you know a basketball pun, but like yes, on paper the Bucks are very formidable. But I don't think this is a given that they're going to make the NBA Finals. I don't, I definitely don't. I think look when you have a smaller point guard, as we found out firsthand, it's very hard to win you know uh, a, a, an NBA title with a small point guard. And I got, Dame is fantastic. I'm not saying Dame isn't amazing. He's he's incredible. I just have a little fear because I've watched uh, enough Celtics basketball and their small guards over the years to know that, you know, it's not always uh, a guarantee that an offensive scoring threat from the point guard position who's diminutive is going to guarantee you a final spot. Dame is, you know, one of the best, you know, uh, modern day guards in, that we've seen in the past 30 years. But the, the thing mm-hmm. is, again, I'm not convinced that, you know, Lopez has had some injury issues. Chris Middleton has had some injury issues. Um, I'm not totally sold on the Giannis Dame pick and roll being this ridiculous thing. Uh, I think it's, you could make the same argument for Tatum Porzingis because Porzingis can actually shoot it. Um, and Giannis isn't really a jump shot threat to me. I know he brings other problems to the table, but I'm just not totally convinced that that's going to be this huge problem. Um, but again, it's, you have to roll the ball out and see. I mean, again, I think, the problem that Milwaukee has is a similar problem to what the Sixers have. Is there's not a lot of guys on those teams that can guard Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum collectively. There just isn't. So it might solve one problem, but it might create another. I'm not. I'm not convinced. And then you know the Bucks have a first year head coach. Like again, I know the t- the roster's talented and and things can happen, but we've never seen him be a head coach before. So and it's Adrian Griffin. So it's not like it's going to be the slam dunk thing. He's going to have to figure out a lot of things on the fly. A lot of expectations. So, what do you want? A first year head coach to take a team to the NBA Finals? That doesn't happen. I mean, oh. it, 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 it might have happened, but you, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. Kaufman? No, of course, it doesn't happen all the time. But if your roster is talent, I mean, how many? It probably happened more than once with like LeBron or Steph teams because if you have enough talent, if you have enough talent, which clearly the Bucks do. And listen, I I, I love the trade for them. I love the team. I do. Obviously, I root against them because I root for the Celtics, but I do love the team. I love a lot of the personnel. Love Dame already. It's great to see him be in an environment where he has an actual chance to win because it just never really came together in Portland. One area that I will absolutely, uh, you know, applaud or golf clap the, the Bucks management is you had to do something, maybe not even at this grand a scale, but you had to do something yeah. in this direction to appease Giannis because he was just, you know, he was at the point where he was starting to hint 
You know, if he was going to win another one, maybe it was going to be somewhere else. He was starting to give the help me out. Not to he wasn't going full blown Joel Embiid. I can't do it alone, but he was he was he was teetering a little bit. And so if you can make a move like this to ensure that you're keeping Giannis Antetokounmpo still the best player in the NBA in Milwaukee, great, awesome, good for you. I mean, two times Giannis, who does not speak out often and certainly does not degrade his franchise. The two times he held his front office cannibal, they, I mean, almost immediately made a move. The last time when they had to re-sign him, his contract was coming up, they gave away a bunch of picks for Drew Holiday, and that worked Mm -hmm. out. It turned into a championship. So, I mean, more power to Giannis and to that front office for being able to step up. I think Miami getting so much criticism in all of this and and all the guards that they let it go away, but the, the thing is they didn't have the assets to to get these deals done and it's a matter of working with other teams right you got to find Danny used to say that all the time it takes two and in these much of these blockbuster superstar trades it takes more than that it takes three teams to get something done and I think that this is one of the unique blockbuster deals that we've seen that everybody kind of gets something and and I do think we have to give credit to the Blazers for not catering pandering to their superstar joe cronin who i mean virtually an unknown to many casual fans in the nba holding out on his superstar but still landing him in a place that well it's milwaukee uh is a bona fide championship contender and will be for the length of damien's contract that's still there so i think it's it's just a fascinating trade it's it's unfortunate that Dame is now here in the East, but I think that that was inevitable anyway. And it just gets me so excited for the season to come and to actually see basketball out there on the floor and these superstars, what they can do and how they're going to make it happen. I'm just like the way that the Abby, uh, you know, kind, kind of right. <laughs> I like the direction we're starting. So we're going to reward you. We're going to put you on a contender. You're going to be an NBA favorite now, but your punishment <laughs> Is you have to live in Milwaukee. <laughs> you have so the worst thing. I'm just happy that Milwaukee, you know, they have they had they had Kareem fifty years ago now. Fifty ish, yeah. Fifty ish. Right. And then yeah. since then, what's it? Michael Red? Oscar Robertson too. I mean they you yeah. know. You know what I mean? Like it's just there's not a lot. Him. It's just not a lot there. So yeah. they had Ray I'm, Allen. Come yeah. on. Ray sure. Allen's yeah, but you know, you know how that's fair. Ray Allen's a good one. But they have had a lot of like Giannis type bona fide, like unbelievable once in a generation type superstars. And what this does for Milwaukee is it keeps Giannis in Milwaukee. And I'm, I'm just thrilled for the city of Milwaukee and for Bucks fans that they get to root for Giannis for like the majority of his career. You know, I don't like this. And this is me being selfish. All this movement sometimes in the NBA of people love it. I, I just don't. I like when guys play on the same team for a long time. And, and they, you know, you can say like, you know, like us, me and Paul You're Pierce. An old soul, Ev. Like, I love the fact that Paul Pierce was basically only a Celtic. That's yeah. awesome. I'm thrilled that Jason Tatum is probably going to be the next guy in that line. You know, I, I like that. And for Milwaukee, for I that for, when I see it, but yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm confident, but I, I like the fact that Milwaukee is going to keep him and then add Dane to this. It's fantastic. I, you know, Miami's had a bunch of superstars come through there over the years. I'm thrilled that Milwaukee's going to keep one. That's great. Yeah. I mean, look, hopefully he's the next Dirk, Duncan, Kobe, you know, Pierce as, you know, to an extent, like you said, it just, 
doesn't happen often in uh, today's generation of free agency and and player-driven trade movement and all of that. But we'll see. Could happen. Uh, Abby, before we do let you go, though, you will be at Media Day. We will not. And so what uh, what are you most looking forward to other than trying to parse so out some of Aside from the Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. See? Yeah. Um, I did not get to go to the Kristaps Porzingis welcome press conference, so I am very excited to hear from him, and especially with all of the injury issues that he faced over the summer. Brad Stevens says he's 100% ready to go, so I would, I'm would i excited to hear from him. Um, I have some questions for Jason Tatum. That Kevin Hart ice bath thing was hilarious. If you yeah. haven't watched it, I like to see the that personality from Jason is something that we don't get very often and I thought it was hilarious so I'm excited to see Jason and maybe even more open to you know the guy that we know he is behind the scenes um Jalen with his new big contract we haven't talked to him much there are so many questions and then of course getting getting some more time with Joe Missoula he and I you know really bonded last season he's in a pod yep I did like, uh, I don't remember yeah. word for word, but it was something along the lines of, of Kevin Hart saying, you know, they were just talking about the East. And he's like, well, and the Sixers are going to be a threat. And Tatum's like, are they? Are they? Or it was like, went in the locker room afterwards, told him, <laughs> good job. He's like, good luck next time. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good to see it's more good. of that, uh, more of that personality be, you know, shining through. Obviously, I, I, don't know Tatum on a personal level you could speak to this but I assume it's been there it's just now it's more outward we're we're obviously getting to see it more publicly which which is nice I think it's more comfortable is able to share those kinds of things I mean that's a I I don't know Jason that well personally but the you know those are the flashes that you see on the bus and um in the locker room and you know, his teammates love him and his teammate Blake Griffin used to talk about how funny he was and that Jason was the guy who would start a lot of the conversations. They would have debates all the time about who's better, who's a, who's a bigger icon or in the game of basketball and things like that. And Jason was the one who sparked that a lot of the time. Have anything to add? I I also am just so sad. No Marcus, no Grant, no Blake. No fun. No. Yeah. (laughs) Not as much fun. Yeah. It's always fun, but yeah. I, I don't know who I'm going to talk to all season. That's what I'm worried about, really. <laughs> Richard, Personal. Abby, you're, Abby, you're going to have to make new friends. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to put myself out there. Yeah. Make some new friends. You really should be more outgoing. <laughs> well, you can, is that a Colorado mug that you have there? It sure is. Buffalo. Let's go, Prime. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, you know, are you, Derek, uh, White, Derek are you White was at some bar in Colorado to watch. Oh, Derek White, I haven't seen him in person without his hair. I know. I know, John. Oh, there's so many things. I know. So, you know, Derek White will fill the void. He's going to fill the void as starting point guard. And he's going to be, you know, the, the I don't know, because you can't, it's hard to replace Grant and all, as much as he talks. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough void to fill. Starting point guard, and this is something I should have said earlier, it's, you know, in the offense, today's NBA offense, how much does the starting point guard actually have the ball in their hands? And that's, and that's the beauty of Derek White is the quick, smart decision making. That, that's the whole point of the point guard in this offense. And that's something that we have seen him do at a very, very high level. So yeah, Derek White, starting point guard, new hairdo. Let's go. Love it. 
Buff them up. All D-Y. things Colorado Buffs, by the way. Am I what? Are you loving all things Colorado Buffs right now with the way this yes. is going? This is going to date me, but when I was in college, the it was the last time Colorado was actually good. They played in the Big 12 championship and then in the Fiesta Bowl. And that was a grand time for me in college. And, uh, yes, I'm very excited about the Buffaloes and, uh, Folsom Field. People are actually getting to see it. It's like one of the most beautiful stadiums in America. Um, the flat irons behind it. It's a beautiful place. I don't know why they can't recruit or why they couldn't recruit until Dion got there. So really he's just introducing CU Boulder to the nation, reintroducing. Coach Prime, he's got him on the map, no doubt about it. All right, we're going to see what happens with these Celtics over the next few days. Could another trade happen? Could a trade happen an hour after we record this podcast? Could a trade have happened now? Has anyone checked their Twitter? Has anyone checked their notifications? Is it already done? Is it already happened? No, I think think we're good. I think we're all right right now. But uh, who knows? By the time the show is public... We may have to call Abby and re-record it. Thanks to Abby Chin, of course, for hopping on with us. We always enjoy her time. She's from NBC Sports Boston, right back on the sidelines this year. Very much looking forward to that. Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. Media Day, it's coming. We'll be able to either react to it or talk about uh, trades that have taken place right before it. We will find out. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Search Celtics Beat. We greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye.